From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. If you're a tax professional, our guest today needs absolutely no introduction, but for all the civilians out there, the man you'll be hearing from in a moment is the Commissioner of the U.S. Internal Revenue Service, Danny Werfel. Werfel has been in the position for a little less than two months, and this is his first appearance on a podcast since starting the job. He spoke to Bloomberg tax reporter Naomi Jagoda from his office at 1111 Constitution Avenue in D.C., and Naomi asked him about the big job ahead of him transforming the agency and also about what he's learned over the past few weeks. I really have learned that there's a sense of, of optimism uh, at the IRS uh, at this point. I have a, a strong sense that we are in transition, uh, transitioning from an era or a chapter of divestment into a chapter of investment uh, because the Inflation Reduction Act provides uh, critical uh, resources after years and years of being starved of resources to start to build the capacity to do the job. And I think for a lot of IRS employees that are really passionate about our mission, They've been, you know, down about the fact that uh, resource constraints have prevented us from doing the types of things we want to do to to help taxpayers and to do other requirements we have uh, as part of our mission. You were acting commissioner in 2013. How is the IRS different from the last time you led the agency and how is it the same now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I kind of look at it through the lens of of myself. I mean, 10 years later, uh, I'm older, I'm wiser. I uh, spent the intervening years learning about uh, more than than I than I knew the last time about leadership, about management, about culture, about organizational dynamics. Um, and you know, I feel a, a tremendous amount of of confidence uh, coming back into government. Um, and you know, the, the one thing that's absolutely the same from when I last uh, left the IRS to the day I returned is just how focused and committed uh, people here are to the mission. I mean, it, it comes out. I mean, that was like the number one thing people wanted to talk to me about and remind me of, of how how important uh, what we do is not just the day-to-day work, but, but the role we play in government. And so it's had me pause and think historically about the role of the IRS. I've really started to get into some of IRS's history it's just it's motivating it's empowering it's like if you're going to be a part of an organization it's good to know where where you're coming from and where it's been and i think that's the best way to figure out where to take it forward and you mentioned that you've learned a lot about leadership in the period um the 10-year period since you were acting commissioner you spent that time period in the private sector so how do you plan to bring sort of the private sector background into the job yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, first of all, my learning was a combination of reflecting on my time in government, um, uh, studying, reading, but also uh, being engaged uh, across industries. And then I was able, from uh, from more of an observation standpoint and an advisory standpoint, see the different problems that were coming across public sector leaders' desk and and just kind of understanding that there's a variety of different paths you can take. How do you communicate uh, with uh, with the workforce, um, how do you uh, weigh different options? How do you think about stakeholders, both inside and outside of your organization? These are things I knew how to do and were on my radar screen ten years ago. 
But like with anything, with age and experience, I just, I've gotten sharper at, uh, I believe, at understanding it. I still have a long way to go. Look, I, you know, I'm always moving up uh, the learning curve. And, you know, one of my reflections early here uh, at the IRS is, is the leadership team here is, is super patient. They're excited to have a new commissioner. Uh, I think one of the things they uh, they like about me early on is that I am in listening mode. Uh, I'm not coming in that with all the, the the ideas. I'm coming in wanting to collaborate with them on on what the right things to do are to serve the mission. What do you hope to accomplish in your first six months on the job? And how do you view um, success in the position? Like, how do you plan to measure whether or not you know, you're doing a good job or whether the IRS is doing a good job in achieving, you know, various benchmarks? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And, you know, in some ways that answer was was handed to me on my first day, which is we have a a huge opportunity and responsibility to uh, to to launch our responsibilities under the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and what Congress expected and the president expected when they uh, passed the law and he signed the law. So the first six months for me are all about a successful uh, continuation of the ramp. And those fall into three buckets, services. And for me, it's we have an opportunity to uh, enhance, uh, modernize and move more towards world-class customer service. And there's a variety of different projects that we have spelled out in our in our strategic operating plan that was released April 6th. Um, and the priority there is for those that are in the short term to launch them successfully. The second is uh, enforcement or compliance. And there, um, the remit is to uh, increase our capacity and performance in how we assess the wealthiest filers in America, that's individuals, corporations, and complex partnerships. And then the third part of our remit is uh, is what I call the backbone, the technology backbone. Think about the IRS as sitting on infrastructure or foundation, and that foundation is uneven today in terms of how modern it is and its stability. Uh, and that's due to years of, of, of underfunding and under-resourcing uh, that foundation. And so that's the third part of the, um, uh, of the priority picture. Uh, so, so what do I want to get accomplished in six months is I want us to be humming in each of those areas with great clarity in terms of what are the top projects that we need to do in each, what are the key steps, and you're, you asked a great question. How do we measure ourselves? What does success look like? I like to look backwards. I like to say, what's the press release we want to write six months from now? Or what's the, you know, the statement of success? And let's reverse engineer into that. The, the last point I'll make about all of this is like, we're also trying to get ready for filing season next year. And we really think that's a huge moment of truth for us, right? Because we had a very strong filing season. Uh, it will be easily forgotten if we don't come out of the gate strong next year uh, when filing season begins. So we want to continue that momentum. And we want each year uh, under the Inflation Reduction Act and under this new era, taxpayers to see and feel different set of improvements and a smoother and smoother uh, filing season each year. They should come back to our website and say, oh, 
There's new tools and solutions here. They should find uh, new options when they dial into our call center for, uh, for either doing things in an automated way or, or enhanced callback options or just a quicker speed to get to, to the person on the line they need to, to speak to. You mentioned the uh, strategic operating plan on the Inflation Reduction Act funding that came out last month. What do you see as the biggest challenges to implementing that plan? Yeah, well, the part of the challenge is, and I, I refer to it as my public to-do list, there's 190 projects in the plan and we have other activities going on uh, within the IRS. So that's a lot of plates to be spinning simultaneously. And they're all important work, you know, managing the IRS and, and, and the responsibility to administer the United States tax system is complicated. Um, and so part of the challenge is, you know, making sure that you have really, really strong, precise organizational structures in place, governance, accountable uh, people at the IRS. And then communication is key, right? With change, you have to make sure that all the various stakeholders are aware of the change, can comment on it. So another key challenge is making sure that all of these activities that are happening in concert are not only getting done and we're following a like clockwork playbook here, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for, but also that all our diverse stakeholders have an understanding of what we're trying to achieve and when we're trying to achieve it. So another big challenge is in a dense uh, plan like what we have with nearly 200 projects, how do we communicate that clearly to all the various stakeholders so they know what's coming? One of the big components of implementing this plan is going to be hiring new personnel, especially um, hiring people who have the experience and skill set to audit high-income taxpayers, complex corporations and partnerships. How are you planning to step out, up recruiting in those areas and where are you looking to hire people from and sort of what's the IRS's elevator pitch as you're, you know, trying to sell people maybe on coming from the private sector into the IRS? Oh, I love that question. I do have to work on my elevator pitch, I think. So I'll practice here for a moment. But like there's there's two parts to your question. Let me start with the pitch. And the pitch is we have a once in a generation opportunity to, to transform and modernize one of the most important organizations in America. You don't have to love the IRS, but uh, and you and you know and and you can complain about the IRS. That is your your right, your free speech right, right? But we are essential to the operations of the United States government and by extension essential to civilized society. So if you have the desire to be part of, uh, of, of public service or uh, giving back to your country or working in a way that, um, that makes you feel patriotic. Um, the IRS is a place where you can do that. And if you wanna to come to an organization which is in transition, in transition to build something uh, much better than what we've had in the past. If you wanna be a, a, a challenging assignment, but one where you leave it, when you leave, this organization will be significantly different and better at its job than when you got here. I mean, that's a pretty exciting opportunity. And we need a lot of different type of skill sets, as you said, you know, and, and I've, I've talked uh, publicly at my recent hearings 
about about the chasm that we have right now, where we have 2,600 current staff that uh, review or exam or audit our wealthiest taxpayers. You know, if you go to our wealthiest levels, like above 250 million in assets for corporations or above 10 million assets for partnerships uh, or north of $5 million a year annual salary for an individual. So these are the really, really wealthy. There are 390,000 of those types of taxpayers that I just described, and there's only 2,600 to assess. And so that that is a wide gap. And and when you think about these 390,000 taxpayers, these are also our most voluminous and our most complex returns. And that complexity increases every year. It's not getting simpler for us to unpack those filings. So we need not just auditors, but specialized accountants, data scientists, engineers, lawyers. And we're looking for a mix. We're looking for people that are just starting their career, that want to learn on the job and develop a a skill set, which is going to be very valuable uh, for us and for them across their career. Uh, But also people that are, you know, kind of coming out of retirement, out of the private sector or law firms or accounting firms who have been involved and understand how these structures are done. So, So they can help us in this situation, even the playing field, when it comes to assessing these very, very complicated structures. And we have a very simple goal, which is to administer the the tax code fairly. And right now, today, we have the ability, the skill set to assess middle and lower income filings, because those are relatively often straightforward. Doesn't make it easy. I'm just saying that we have the capacity today. We do not have the capacity to effectively assess our highest income filers in a way that we should. So the goal is really to just even that out and make sure that we're an IRS that's not skewed towards um, being able to assess one part of our our taxpayers, but not another. And I think people want an IRS that is is nonpartisan, that is fair, that has has balance of, of strength across different taxpayer segments. Right now, we're out of balance. The Inflation Reduction Act will help us put in balance, and we need people to help us on that journey. Where do you find those people? Well, there's a lot of different uh, places. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, I think we IRS has offices all over the country, so we're not constrained to any uh, one regional area. So we have a diverse uh, geography uh, that we can spread our recruiting efforts. Uh, we can look, as I said, to people that are, uh, you know, kind of nearing the end of their private sector careers at law firms and accounting firms. We can look to universities uh, who are looking to place students coming out with accounting or actuarial degrees or engineering degrees. I could go on and on because, you know, and there are, you know, what's really interesting, Naomi, there are companies right now out there that, you know, you hear it, they're doing significant layoffs. Right. And there's an opportunity potentially for us to sync up with uh, with companies that are doing layoffs because we are we are hiring. Um, And so, look, there is a lot of matchmaking that we can do in that regard. I think we're off to a good start in our hiring. I've mentioned we've hired somewhere between five and six thousand people um, and mostly focused on uh, staffing our call center so that we're answering all the calls. The other thing that's really important to understand, because I think a lot of people think, oh, God, this is all IRS hiring. 
and, um, and, and plussing up and growing and growing, the reality is we're losing a lot of people. So not only do we have to build capacity that we don't have, we have to make up for, uh, for, for anticipated attrition. You mentioned that one of the challenges with implementation is going to be keeping every, you know, all the stakeholders informed. One of those big stakeholders is Congress. Can you um, sort of talk about your strategy about how you plan to keep Congress updated on your progress and maybe any areas where the IRS is running into any sort of difficulties? Yeah, I look, I, I really think that there's an imp- a hugely important role that that Congress plays. Um, you know, I can focus on uh, our authorizing committees, House Ways and Means and Senate Finance. You know, in some ways and in many ways, they oversee us. They hold us accountable. They ask questions that have us uh, rethinking our approach. They uh, they call on TIGTA or GAO uh, that creates a set of recommendations that help guide priorities for us. It's an incredibly uh, important institution. And in many ways, there are partners as well. Like I know there's a lot of politics and um, that sometimes kind of crowds the screen. But also, I think there's a lot of goodwill in trying to help create a better tax experience for uh, for their constituents. And obviously, we want to do that uh, for all their constituents. Um, and then I think there's a lot of uh, interest in making sure that the tax system runs uh, effectively so that the nation's finances are healthy. Um, and if we are not doing our job, then the nation's finances suffer, deficits grow, the debt goes up. So there is a virtuous circle here of, of, of the IRS uh, operating the tax uh, system effectively. And I think a lot of the members and their staffs um, uh, believe in that. And therefore, if they're going to partner with us on it, we have to be in regular communication. So that means I making myself available for hearings, whether that's at the committee or the subcommittee level, so they can ask the question. The hearings are a really good opportunity for uh, for us to get on the same page in terms of what the priorities are and what the go forward is and for them to communicate in a very public forum their concerns and have me answer them. But we can also do, you know, um, non-public briefings to staff and to members. Um, you know, for example, it's hard to get into too much detail when a senator has five minutes. So often they'll be asking me questions and then they'll say, you know, Commissioner, can you come and brief me and my team on this so that we can have an hour or more to really dig into what your IT plans are, to dig into what are the root causes of the largest parts of the tax gap? My answer to that is always going to be, without hesitation, yes. The Inflation Reduction Act directs the IRS to submit a report to Congress by mid-May on the feasibility of an IRS-run electronic filing system. Is this report still on track to come out in mid-May? And I know you've said before that you don't want to get ahead of what the report is going to say, but once the report comes out, how much time will it take for the IRS to sort of digest the report and study it before determining how you want to proceed following the report's release? Yeah, so the report comes out uh, in mid-May. We're on track. It's it's certainly not complete yet. I think there needs to be a a reflection around what are the pros and cons, what are the what are the benefits and costs. And it wouldn't surprise me if people read the report and reach different conclusions. 
Some will read it and say, oh, we should definitely absolutely go forward. And some will read it and say, ah, uh, this is what I thought and therefore we shouldn't go forward. What I'm interested in is making sure that, um, that we have a good understanding of what those diverse viewpoints are, that, uh, that we're communicating the calculus and the evidence base for any decision, go or no go, uh, that comes out. And what would what would make me lose sleep at night is if we did something without an evidence base or an analytic base to it. And that's all that that's what I always want to ground to. I will say that, and I think it's important to clarify the thing about a direct file is that it is an option, right? And when I think about taxpayer service, I think about a menu. Right. And taxpayers are in very different spots in terms of their locations, their access to the Internet, their means, uh, their preferences. You know, some taxpayers want a fully digital experience, but are very comfortable working with uh, third party providers. And some taxpayers want a fully paper experience and want to do it all on their own or hire uh, a local accountant. I mean, what what we have to do with the IRS is is not create a one size fits all where you do it this way, this is how you engage with the IRS. I think we have to meet taxpayers where they are, understand the diversity of those preferences and build a menu for how to engage with us that meets an effective balanced way those preferences. Direct file, no direct file, either way, if it is launched, it is an option. Another issue that has come up for the IRS a lot lately has been the issue of racial disparities in tax enforcement in light of a study that Stanford University released recently showing uh, that black taxpayers face higher audit rates than non-black taxpayers. I know that you're working on a some sort of report to the Senate Finance Committee about that issue. Is is that still on track to come out, I think, as soon as next week? And, you know, how how are you approaching that issue? Yeah, well, I appreciate the question. I mean, I got to start with a really important, you know, kind of founding principle to uh, to effective tax administration, which is equity, right? And so, when you read the Stanford report, um, it, it's really, really uh, concerning uh, from the vantage point of that it raises questions around whether the tax system is being administered equitably. Now it's clear in the report that it, that there's that there's no uh, uh, in, implication of intentional uh, uh, bias. Uh, it is, uh, I think, what what is referred to as disparate impact. That some of our practices may, according to the study, has a disparate impact on racial minorities. So I read that and I think this is a top priority to assess, get to the bottom of, and correct, because for our tax system to work. Um, for our mission to be met, we have to do things in a way that is uh, equitable, and that has to be an absolute top priority. Along with, you know, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't really think of maybe data security is the other topmost priority, but that and equity, I think, uh, are above all else. Before we get anything else done, we got to make sure that the data is secure and the system is is implemented um, equitably. The Stanford study is is complicated, right? It it it, it is not a uh, you know you don't read it and say oh this is like I understand the math immediately I understand the analytics immediately I understand the root causes, so we are doing our best to uh, to really kind of unpack 
the um, the findings. We're taking it as seriously as anything uh, that's on my plate right now, because again, it is so core to uh, to what we do, and it's the right thing to do to make sure that we're being equitable. And also, it's you know, I don't think we can move forward with a strong uh, tax administration program if if there's this ongoing question mark about the uh, the equity issues. Um, what I hope to accomplish um, is that we can get line of sight on um, the, the nature and extent of the issue from, from the IRS vantage point so that we can start to hone in on uh, any changes that we can make to the way in which we're approaching this particular part of tax administration um, so that we can correct any, uh, any disparities. Um, like uh, the other reports that we have due, it's not due yet. So, you know, I'll, we're taking every minute and every hour that we can to uh, to assess and to get uh, alignment here. But I would anticipate that uh, similar to, uh, to other reports, uh, we will have uh, a moment where we can discuss uh, publicly uh, what, what we're thinking, what we found and, and how to go forward. And are you still planning to give a response to the finance committee within 60 days of your confirmation? Yeah, I'm going to I'm probably going to talk with um, Senator Wyden uh, to to confirm and align on, you know, like the precise uh, way in which uh, the the information will be uh, provided. You know, it's it wasn't a it wasn't a report that was in statute. It was, you know, a question raised in the middle of the hearing. So I think we have some uh, some I's to dot and some T's to cross on exactly how to uh, to provide him and his colleagues uh, the update. Um, so, uh, but we're very close. Um, one final question for you: um, the IRS is, you know, never going to be uh, Americans' favorite federal agency. But what do you do to increase the public's trust in the IRS? It's hmm. a great question. You know, I mentioned this. I think in my in my Senate hearing that uh, that I have, uh, you know, kind of a sense that um, that the IRS is kind of like the, the the football referee. You know, we can get the holding call right. We can get it wrong. We're going to get booed either way. And that's OK. You know, the ref's responsibility is to make the calls and and and, you know, no one's going to ever throw a parade for the ref. Right. You throw a parade for the winning team, but you can't leave the field um, and you can and you have to continue to perfect. And things like instant replay, right? Technology gets them smarter and smarter. And by the way, even when they review the play on instant replay and all 80,000 people can see that they actually got the call right, they still get booed, right? And that's also has to be okay, right? And I think we increase trust by, um, by not, you know, not basically asking for the parade, you know, understanding our role. Um, and I think we can do more to explain to the American people the, the, the really important things that we do and to make sure the narrative out there uh, and the information about the IRS is as balanced as, as possible. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, Naomi. It was a pleasure to be on. That was Danny Werfel, the commissioner of the IRS, speaking with Bloomberg tax reporter Naomi Jagoda. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Meg Shreve is our editor, and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Hello, podcast listeners. 
If you don't already know On the Merits, our weekly podcast devoted to legal and government news, it's a show that features the very best of Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government, newsrooms that boast among the largest number of credentialed journalists in D.C. When you listen to On the Merits, you'll hear about the groundbreaking developments in the courts, in Congress, and in the alphabet soup of federal agencies that run Washington and our nation. Our show is by and about legal and government policy nerds, and we say that lovingly. It's a nerd's eye view of what professionals in the legal and government space need to know. But you do not have to be a nerd to listen. Check out our show, On the Merits, and find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find our archive of shows at news.bloomberglaw.com slash podcasts.